0: Hey camp kids, this is Joe Bob coming at you real time as in the night before this episode releases. So I wanted to give you guys a heads up. I've got some big stuff coming up in my personal life as in I'm getting married this week. So I'm actually getting ready to head to be out of town and to go have my wedding in Colorado and to go do my honeymoon in the Southwest part of the United States so as you can imagine my life is going to be a tad busy over the next couple of weeks and i just wanted to let you guys know just in case that we have a delay in episodes and we're not able to get stuff out to you weekly like we normally do if you're interested in following my journey i do have a personal instagram account that is at the musical marathoner so if you are curious to see some of that stuff feel free to follow me over there I won't be posting nearly as much as I normally do on the Camp Kids podcast social media pages. And it's also a very interesting time for me as well, because as many of you are gearing up to go back to camp after Memorial Day, I am not going directly back to camp. My camp experience is going to look very different this summer than it has in years past. So on another side note, if you are curious as to what my camp experience looks like now versus what it looks like in the past, or you're curious as to what my thoughts are going into a very different sort of summer experience working year round, I'd be more than happy to record that as an episode as well. But for now, enjoy today's episode and give us a little bit of grace moving into the next couple of weeks. Hey, Camp Kids. Welcome back to the Camp Kids podcast. I'm your host, Joe Bob, and I'm on a mission to bring together a community of camp people from all around the world. Whether you are currently in your camp career or it's been a while since you've been at camp, when you're with us, you're at home. In this week's episode, we meet Beth, who is a camp professional who has worked deeply with the Girl Scouts and the YMCA. Beth talks about her experience growing up in California, attending Girl Scout camps, and falling in love with the waterfront she shares that when she turned 18 she was ready to finally work for camp but her home camp was already fully staffed and she had to look for the camp experience elsewhere it was fate that she found camp Corey in upstate new york and it would change her life forever she shares with us that this is a magical place where she met her husband and found herself becoming a camp professional so without further ado let's hear it from beth
1: my name is Beth Clemson, and I am currently in Medford, New Jersey, but I grew up in Long Beach, California, and we've moved around a couple of times since then, so all over the place, really.
2: Ooh, from coast to coast. Coast That's to coast. exciting. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about your camp background experience as a camper. Like, where did you go to camp, with what organizations, and for how long? I started
1: out my camp experience with Girl Scout camps, mainly day camp and um we were able to go to one resident camp a year. My first resident camp experience was kind of the one that I reflect a lot about as a camp professional because, and you got to pick a bed and they told you to bring a tarp so that if it rained, your stuff wouldn't get wet and you wouldn't get wet in the rain. And I was in the fourth grade. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Uh, And then there was like a cinder block bathhouse and I don't even remember what the bathhouse looks like on the inside. I could just picture like the outside. And so you had to walk down this hill to where the counselors like slept away from us down this hill to the bathhouse. And that's all I remember. I can't believe when I tell this story that I, it's insane. I can't believe then spent my, basically my entire adult life being a professional camp counselor. At some point we switched camps or maybe we didn't. And we went to the same camp that I I don't have any other memories of. My real love for camp started at um, two places. There was there was Marine Landing, which was the day camp with the Long Beach Council, which is now part of Greater LA. And it is this adorable little beach house um, where we spent an hour canoeing, an hour, hour kayaking, an hour doing arts and crafts in the morning. We would have lunch and then we would go to the beach and have popsicles with the lifeguards. And it was, like the most magical place that I, that I've been until I then went and started working at like another camp, which is now where I consider the most magical place in the world. And so I did most of my camp programming at that camp. So I I think I was at camp every summer from like 94 to like 2002. That's amazing.
2: And you said that was pretty much all with, with Girl Scout camps.
1: That was all with Girl Scouts. We did like, these resident church camps with the local church in our area once once a while when once we got to high school my heart was set on working at marine landing um and basically the summer that i turned 17 they didn't hire um 18 year olds they only hired 18 year olds i don't know what their policies are now but you had to be 18 in order to work there back in the early 2000s and on my 18th birthday they called me and said that the spots had all been filled by returning staff members. And I know. (laughs) So uh, as a March baby, you know, you, you were like, well, what do I do now? Because I want to work at a summer camp. I know I want to work at a summer camp. And my mom, God bless her, was like, well, suck it up and find something else to do. And so I went on this scavenger hunt for camps with waterfronts all across the country. I applied to camps in Hawaii, in Alaska, in Michigan, in New York, you name it, I probably applied to it. And, and some of them never got back to me. Some of them got back and said, oh my gosh, we have enough staff, which I've now that working as a a full-time camp director. I'm like, you had enough staff in March, who are you? And where did you, where did these staff members come from? I ended up getting two job offers, one at a Girl Scout camp in Michigan and one at a YMCA camp in upstate New York. And I decided that I was gonna go to the YMCA camp. My dad has very extended family in Rochester. And so like on that happenstance that I didn't enjoy it, at least I had somewhere to go on the weekends where in Michigan, I would have just been like this California girl all by herself. Um, <laughs> so I went to Camp Corey for the first time in 2003 when I turned 18. I literally graduated from high school and the next day got on a plane and I was so overwhelmed. I I packed every article of clothing that I could have possibly packed because I had no idea what I was getting myself into where I didn't even have anything to wear on the plane so my mom god bless her said suck it up and wear your pajamas and so I did I wore my pajamas and I flew out to um to Rochester and I spent my first summer at, at Camp Corey, where I believe overconfidence in some areas but that's all right we like everybody can be a little overconfident but Camp Cory gave me the foundation of what I believe uh camp should be and that is just like a beautiful community-based experience where we're like pushing kids to be the best they can be and get that like grit and growth potential and all of that kind of stuff so I spent nine summers there and I would oh my goodness (laughs) yeah (laughs) I would fly back and forth from Los Angeles, where I went to school to Camp Corey, where I spent my summers. My friends were tired of hearing me talk about Camp Corey. And uh, you know, th- that happens to all camp people, right? My first couple of summers, I was just a regular camp counselor where I would sleep in a cabin with 10 other beautiful women. And I would teach swimming, I would teach sailing. I those were pretty much the things that I taught. And then I became a unit director there for the sailing village. And um and so I did that for a while. I was their multimedia coordinator. So basically, I was in charge of taking photos and being a part of the Camp Corey newspaper. I was the publisher of the Camp Corey newspaper. I was the waterfront director for a summer. I was a program director for a couple of weeks. I kind of did, you know, camp people, you do it all. I I think I was a cook for a week after my ninth summer, I was offered a full time position as a as a preschool teacher in Rochester. So I made like my first big move full time to to working with kids, Uh, not necessarily in camp. But, you know, I got to kind of play around with kids and still be close to this place that I kind of fell in love with. I met my husband there. Uh, His name is Mark. And he went to that camp since 1987. He was there from when he was six until he was, I want to say like 29 when he went to grad school and like had to leave camp for the first time. He was there every summer for that, uh, that time period. So when he moved, I moved. And I became a full-time camp director in Bethesda, Maryland for the YMCA. It was a day camp where we served 400 kids on two different sites. And then we then moved again (laughs) to New Jersey, where I was the regional camp director for four Girl Scout camps for Girl Scouts of Central and Southern New Jersey. Wow, that's amazing. Well, it's not over. So I'm also (laughs) a member of the Camp Corey Alumni Committee, where we make sure that alumni of Camp Corey are still engaging with Camp Corey and then my son uh, my oldest son went to his first year of sleepaway camp last year. It was like a 3-day he was 6 years old at the time. Uh he did a 3-day overnight. He did two 3-day overnights and then my 3-year-old is doing his first preschool camp this year. <gasps> so we we got camp in our blood and it's something that we we fully believe in and my oldest is going to Camp Corey for the first time this summer oh my was, goodness yeah so we're driving him all the way from New Jersey to upstate New York and he's going to spend a week there with his cousins.
2: oh my gosh what a full circle magical moment Ooh, right amazing. <laughs> well congratulations for being for being able to make all that happen and to be able to have a place that not only you and your husband love so much, but you get to share that with your children as well, yeah. too. Yeah. We got oh to God. the um, 100th anniversary uh, celebration
1: this August, this past August. And so that was the second time that Emerson's been uh, my oldest. And he was there when he was like nine months old. But and this is the first time that Elliot's been. And so they they had a big blowout celebration. And my husband got an award. And it was just a really... Like, you're talking about a full circle moment. Like, and I'm not an emotional person. I'm just like, oh my God, I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) cry. Oh, absolutely. They they should have made my camp
2: name Heart of Stone, but they didn't. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, since you mentioned that you went from Girl Scouts to the YMCA, back to the Girl Scouts, and you're still involved with the YMCA, I would love to hear your perspective on... Kind of going back and forth and kind of intermixing those organizations when it comes to the camp world. I don't have hardly any experience with the YMCA. So yeah, I would love the- to hear your thoughts on that, maybe similarities, some differences, all of that. Yeah, sort of the-, the Y is great. It has for, for us camp professionals,
1: a wonderful retirement system. Depends on the association that you work for, but the associations that I worked for was automatically matching 12% or not even matching. They were giving you 12% of retirement. So like right there, that is a huge bonus for being a camp director. I think the difference between Girl Scouts and the YMCA is that the YMCA has a little bit more flexibility in their programming, right? The Girl Scouts have the national guidelines and badge works that really drive everything that they that they do and the the Y's not encumbered by any of that so I was fortunate enough to work with some program directors and my husband included who are probably the most creative people I've ever met and coming up with these these epic evening programs that were really the star of the week so yes we were pushing kids to be better and learn more and 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 get out of their comfort zones in both the girl scouts and the the why but these epic games that they've created are long-standing and everlasting and so like they they play this doughboys game during history week that was started 10 years ago and it just keeps on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's, it's now kind of like a staple activity that happens every week. And I think that because the, the why kind of started the camping movement, the traditions are kind of baked in and easier to, to steep where the Girl Scouts, we tend to open and close camps a little bit more. So my husband's last name is Dibble. There's been somebody in the Dibble family at Camp Corey since his oldest brother went there in like the early, early eighties. And then Kevin sent his kids there the year that Mark left. And so there has been literally a Dibble there every year. And, and we're kind of worried what happens when Elliot gets old enough where he doesn't go anymore because Jason doesn't have any kids. And now we're, we're running oh. out of Dibbles. <laughs> we're running out of Dibbles. So, it, like that tradition is, is baked in. And I think the Girl Scouts can get there, but it takes a lot of work. And that alumni committee is something that, that makes it really, really important. I want that longevity and those, those legacy families to come back for things.
2: Part of that reason is kind of why I started this podcast. I mean, the, ma- yeah. the majority of my listeners right now are Girl Scouts, but I am trying to really diversify and bring mm-hmm. in voices from all sorts of other Organizations as well, but you hit it on the head. Like the Girl Scouts, they they open, they close camps. It's it's there's no alumni organization for Mm -hmm. really the organization in general, but also just on camp level
1: either. Yeah, there was 400 people at this alumni event that came from all over the, the the country, and there there was options for people to spend the night. There was day options. They thought about what it would look like for for parents to be there and older older grandparents to be there and kids to be there and and it, it really was a, an intentional event so i i think that's the the big thing with with camp Corey, is that it taught it taught me to be intentional with everything that you do so i always had to get the kids clean before the parents came right you got to shower mm-hmm. all these kids but you don't want it to just you don't want their last night to be a shower because how unmagical is that Right. Right. And so there was this gully that they, that, that the kids would all trudge through. And I, I, it was called Sacred Glen, right? And you, so you trudge through Sacred Glen, you would cover yourself in mud. And then, of course, what do you have to do after you cover yourself in mud? You have to shower. (laughs) (laughs) There's no other option. But, but it tricked the kids into thinking that there was this like epic journey that, that, that happened to end in a shower where, You know, like that intentionality happens in, in everything that they do. And that's kind of baked into the culture of it. And my husband was actually my boss at Camp Corey for a while, but he, (laughs) that's a a different story for a different podcast. (laughs) He baked that into the culture where he left in 2010 and that's still part of the culture that is today. So trying to do these things intentionally is wonderful and great. But the Girl Scouts need to do a better job of keeping their camp directors there too. Because if you every time you lose a camp director, you lose some of that culture and you lose some of that than this specific camp that I happen to have a
2: relationship with. <laughs> Just following the YMCA's lead. 12% for retirement. <laughs> There's a I great way to keep them in right there. So. Yeah. And they they
1: um they provide housing, you know, mm-hmm. but the camp director at Corey has this beautiful lake house. And it allow- allows him to bring his family down. And when his kids were younger, they provided a nanny, not my husband, the, the camp director currently, they provided a nanny for him so that his oh. kids can be there wow. with him all year. And it's those things where sometimes we're Pennywise and Pound Foolish, where if you were able to take care of your staff a little bit more, then you can create those relationships and make it so that you have somebody who was there for 10 years and you now have pat who's the camp director at camp Corey, who is going on i mean he started working there in 2011 and he's still there so he's going on his third what 12th
2: year navigating through covid and all i mean navigating
1: through covid and all
2: that's quite exactly yeah
1: that's awesome. exactly i had to move on to camp in 2001 because my camp director went on medical leave. So as the regional person who was in charge of these three operating day camps, like, of course, I'm the one that has to, to move in. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the conversations with my supervisors, I was like, well, my kids are coming because there's no other option. Right. right? I can't just drop my family. That's just not an option. And it was like, well, how, who's going to take care of them while you're working? And I was like, man, <laughs> we, We'll do what we have to do. I'm not saying that I'm going to be lifeguarding with my children, like, strapped to my sides, because that obviously isn't going to be safe. But if I'm if I'm there overseeing a campfire or a, or an evening program, they can be there. It'll be fine. It'll be Absolutely. fine. And, like, that attitude is, um, we have to make sure that camp is family-friendly, or else you're only going to have 20-year-olds running camp. Not that there's anything wrong with 20 year olds running camp, but you want that longevity and those alumni relations. You have to keep your people and you got to keep your people by keeping
2: families. You, you just got to keep people through all stages of life. Exactly. You know, not everybody in their early 20s is going to be thinking about, you know, getting married and having kids or whatever later yeah. on in the line. So Shoot, I didn't good. start having kids until I was in, I was in my 30s. <laughs> hey
1: yeah <laughs> yeah so my husband was well in his 30s but it's it's like one of those things you got to take care of the whole family uh, that starts with potentially housing that starts with potentially re- retirement funds but it also just starts with that culture that you know m- my kids aren't a burden they're just part of the group now they're part right. of the culture they're part of the fa- the family and it's super awkward because my son my son's now at the age where he shouldn't be at a girl scout camp <laughs> you know <laughs> oh I I get it I get it I believe in in the power of a girl only environment or or as close to girl only as you're gonna get nowadays but yeah it was it was it it became untenable which is why I'm no longer working at summer camps because my husband also works at a summer camp and we have two people in the camps working two different camps it just doesn't work
2: yeah I understand that completely well what camp does your husband work for He works for the YMCA of the Pines, which is in Memphis, is a three camp
1: on one property kind of situation. They do a 400 person day camp, 400 to 500. And it might be bigger than that. I don't really know. But that's the camp that my kids go to um, pretty much all summer. And then they have um, YMCA Camp Akinikin for boys, which is their boy resident camp. And then they have YMCA Camp Metallianic for girls, which is the... the the girls summer camp and then during the off season they actually serve more people during the off season in their Their camp and conference center. Like this weekend, we're gonna go to the to breakfast with the bunny and meet the Easter bunny and have like a really nice camp breakfast this morning on Sunday morning.
2: Oh, that's wonderful.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Oh, that sounds like so much fun.
1: Yeah. Memorial Day family camps. They're doing a a guy and me weekend that my husband and my oldest will go to, and then they do a, a gal and me weekend where where I will take probably the youngest one and do that. And then we're just gonna flip flop because it'll be fun. Yeah. Get a little bit of one-on-one time with us. It's all very family centric there. And he kind of brought that back from, from Corey too. That's wonderful.
2: Oh, and that's so cool. to learn that you guys are a happy camp family. I mean, that's happy camp family.
1: <laughs> We're there all the time.
2: That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Very good. Would love to know <laughs> yeah. the story behind your camp name. And specifically if you used your camp name at all of your different locations that you worked at too.
1: So I did not use my camp name at all different locations. When I was a camp aide, or a program aide, as we called them, um, I was teddy bear. I don't know. You like pick a camp name when you're 12 and I was super nerdy and it was just, you know, like, oh, I have this teddy bear that I'm going to carry around with me at camp. So I'm going to be called teddy bear. And then you become, you know, an 18 year old staff member. And you're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> Calling myself teddy bear. But it just kind of stuck, you know, and the pianist at my parents' church, they still ask my parents how teddy bear is. And so it's like a thing where I, you know, I picked something when I was 12 and now I'm 38 and people are still calling me teddy bear. <laughs> it's great. You interviewed Amanda. Amanda's camp yeah. doesn't use camp names, right? So Correct. I was Beth up there. And then and then the other two camps did use camp names and I kind of just avoided it because I knew I didn't want to be teddy bear, but like I felt weird as a 35 year old picking a name. So I just avoided it until there was like a point where somebody was like, it's time, you have to do it or we will. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So I became skipper. Um, And I picked that because I felt like I was a captain, right? So I'm a skipper of the ship, but I also love water and everything with waters and boats. And I taught sailing when I was at Camp Corey and I got to drive their party boat a lot. And I became licensed to drive a commercial boat while I was there. And so it was like, this is fitting. This is fitting. It kind of stuck, but not really because half our camps use it and half our camps don't. And and at times I was just like, just call me
2: Beth. It's fine. I appreciate it. So my camp name is Joe Bob. And that was a given name to me.
1: Oh, so and- you understand that. that oh, like, absolutely. We're pick it.
2: Yeah. But even now, like as an adult, I'm like, there is no persona outside of Joe Bob. And I've worked for some different councils here and there. I'm working with a new council here in Kansas City, and on the Kansas side. And they have camp names, but they don't like always go by the camp names. So like, yeah. I'm trying to meet all these people. And they're sometimes using camp names, and they're sometimes using real names. And I'm like, okay, I'm trying to remember one name per person. Please. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I find camp names as like the 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 my official title was camp business manager, which was an, a terrible <laughs> title. I don't know why they ever would have called it that. But as like the person who oversaw the camp directors, I was in charge of making sure payroll was was right. Caitlin would call me, whose camp name is Arwen, and be like, hey, Madam Blueberry. Like went to, went to the hospital yesterday because she like broke her foot on a stair and you're Uh like, well, can we get a real name? (laughs) <laughs> because I don't think our insurance is going to cover Madam Blueberry more <laughs> <No>. workers comp. <laughs> you get the, the payroll people being like, hey, we need to talk to Nicole about these things. And I was like, well, who's Nicole? Because I don't know Nicole. I know her as Punzi. And it becomes really awkward on like an administrative level when you only t- talk about these people in terms of their camp names. I get the magic of it as a camper that it was, they would do this song at the end of each session. And I don't remember the song. I just remember the feeling of the song, right? Where you're sitting around this giant campfire and all the staff members would come out and, and somehow announce what their name is. And of course you can't remember these 35 staff members' names because they're doing it all in kind of a secession, you're like oh wow this is like the coolest thing that you finally get to know what their real name is it was just magical right on the administrative side it was it's such a headache and these parents are emailing you so they're like oh i emailed beth today and you're like well you're not supposed to tell them that ruins the magic yeah
2: (laughs) yeah it's a coin toss and you know ever since a lot of the girl scout councils went through you know the merges that happened you know what 15 ish so years mm-hmm. ago, or whatever, probably more than that by now. Now, there's some camps, you know, that are the, like the ones that you worked with, some that do have camp names, some that don't. And yeah, yeah it does make it very confusing. But I am a big proponent for camp names. I'm like very adamant with my coworkers. I'm like, I am Joe Bob. Like, nobody in my life calls me by my first name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. I that's how I was when oh. I was a camp aide, nobody knew my name nobody yeah. knew my name and so all the campers it was a big deal especially the the campers who came multiple weeks and uh and then it was just gone I don't know it was, it's kind of a surreal thing to think that it was so important at 18 yeah. and then the next day it wasn't that camp identity yeah it's right it's big my personality hasn't changed you can call <laughs> me whatever you want this is what you get
2: <laughs> oh well thank you I love that <laughs> Well, I'm very curious to know, because you've had such a tenure at camp, camp has been with you through all of your life. I would love to know what keeps you and your family coming back to camp.
1: It's the community. So I gave you a picture from the alumni reunion this summer. And every week at Camp Corey, all the people in my cabin would come and sit on the porch and we would take a, a group photo. And I have one for every week that I was there for nine years you know, you see these kids grow up and especially with the the ability to have Facebook and I, I've kept in, t- in better touch with these people than I was able to keep in touch with my camp people when I was a camper because you had to write them letters, yes. which is crazy. And so they had the 95th reunion when my son was six nine months old. And so the girls were well, now not girls, but came and we all took the photo together with my son on the porch. And then, so this year was the, was the hundredth and I think there was 10 of us and plus my two kids. And then one of the other people had a kid. And so there was the 10 original and then these three babies and they're not really babies because he's seven and three and then Jonah I think is two so the the picture is getting bigger right and and they'll call me out of nowhere and be like we we're at my bachelorette party and we just like we're reminiscing and we love you and we just want to tell you hi and you're just like these people just become not necessarily a staple in your life but definitely have made a huge ripple in the my fabric right and that's what keeps coming back it's not the impact that I'm making on their lives which I hope I've made an impact on their lives but they've also made this big impact on my life and I see them on social media and I'll see them at these reunions and I'll see them on the alumni committee and you're just like these are my people and I know I can call them anytime even though they're you know five six years younger than me I can call them at any point and be like here's what I need and they'll drop what they're doing and and do it and that sense of community is what keeps me coming back and and hopefully instilling that sense of community in the camps that I'm running so that the staff and the campers and the participants and the families feel that connection back to this place that hopefully is making these like huge impacts on these on, on kids and how they see themselves and how they operate in the world
2: wow that was beautiful.
1: Thank you for sharing that. One of my campers, she's fostering a three-year-old, so I have a three-year-old and she has a three-year-old, and so now we're trying to figure out. I'm scheming how to get both of our three-year-olds to the the preschool day camp at Camp Corey, which means I might have to spend like a week on the lake in Camp Corey, so that because he can't spend the night by himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, we could spend the 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 weekend together and and like rent a little a little place or or they have an alumni cabin at Camp Corey so like maybe we can get into the alumni cabin because technically you're only supposed to have two nights on there so I'll take two nights and you can take two nights and then we can figure out the last night it'll be fine (laughs) so we're like scheming of how to get our kids together because like that's now the phase of life that we're in that we both have three-year-olds and I don't know it's just exciting to be like celebrating my friend Michelle who who is fostering this kid and hopefully we'll adopt them and how do we keep ourselves connected with these people that you just are super excited that good things are happening for them I hope
2: it works out it's like oh Oh, no I've got to go spend a week out at the place Uh, that I love with people I love (laughs) like have you ever been to the Finger Lakes in upstate New York I have not oh man
1: there's wineries and they're Mennonite markets that you can go to and then obviously there's this giant lake that you can swim in and I just have to figure out how to be scarce enough where my oldest doesn't see me so that (laughs) he can have that
2: like real overnight experience you know what I'm saying right I and I totally get that yeah I'm sure that you'll find a way to do it and everybody will be happy and get the experience that they want and it's over fourth of July it's gonna be great oh yeah awesome That'll be so much fun. So much fun. Well, you were talking about the community of people, and I'm wanting to know who were some people from camp that inspired you to kind of go into the camp profession and for to do all of these sorts of camps. And what did they do to do that? My
1: parents were both very much like, you're going to do camp. And because we were Girl Scouts, we did Girl Scout camps. And my brothers got to do Boy Scout camps. But Boy Scout camps are run weird, where you got to take your own adults. So my dad went to Boy Scout camps with with my brothers, which I always thought was like bizarre and bonkers. And I don't want to go to camp with my parents. Not that I don't love my parents. I want to go to camp by myself. And so they were very much always pushing us to like, which, which camp do you want to go to? We, we didn't go to a lot of them because there's four kids in my family and camps expensive. Um, But it was like, you get to go to one week of day camp and one week of resident camp and anything else outside of that. Like, you'll need to figure out how to pay for it. wasn't really an option. It was like, this is what's happening. I kind of love that. Like all these people ask why I sent my kid to resident camp while he was six. And I was like, well, because it's not an option for us. <laughs> <laughs> we, we live and breathe camp, right? Yeah, he probably would rather stay in his bed at home until he gets comfortable with going to camp. But you got to get these kids out of their comfort zone. So my parents didn't give an option. Would I have gone back to that summer camp in the woods? Probably not. We, I don't think we went back to that summer camp the next year. I think we went to a different summer camp, but it was still Girl Scouts and we did biking and it rained the, the entire time. Oh. That was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it was just like, okay, so you had like a weird experience. Let's try a different thing. And, and so like, I think that that, was a big part of it especially my mom was just like and she was a she's a bootstraps kind of lady where it's like you got to just pull yourself up (laughs) and and you're still going to experience things and we don't quit and so um I like that idea when I talk to parents I'm just like your kid will be fine your kid will be fine at camp and if they're not we'll call you and guess what I'll just give you a refund if it turns out that they like hate it and they scream throughout the night and and, on the first night. But I'm really going to try to get your kid to stay throughout the the entire week. And so I I wish more parents just had that like, well, we're going to give it a real go. Not this. If you don't like it after one night, call me. I think that my mom kind of inspires that aspect of me. My, um, We're both kind of a little cold hearted. And I say (laughs) that in the most loving way. I do believe that when Mark was my supervisor, and Mark's my husband, um, he instilled a lot of things in me that still to this day, I even when not working at camp, it's, it's like customer service. He did this, this training in 2004, and I still got the little book for it where it was like camp through new eyes. And the whole idea was to look at camp through a new parent's eyes or a new camper's eyes. And so when you see... Like, ah, oh, the dock's broken. Well, I got to fix that. But what a parent sees is if you can't take care of this dock, how are you going to take care of my kid? And so we spent hours during staff training that summer looking at everything through like, how do you think a camper is going to see this really dark and dingy bed? It, it's going to be terrifying for them. So what can we do to kind of liven this up? I'm like, So we painted all the the beds white because then it wasn't dark and dingy, right? Instead of it being brown. Having the staff come up with these ideas was very empowering for us to the point where, you know, that was in 2004 and it's 2023 and I still have this like core memory of doing that. And I take that lesson into my job now where it's like, okay, I'm going to do a new eyes check on all these applications that that I review for these grants to make sure that they're right when I send them in. And- I don't know it's just like a core memory right so I would be remiss, and I know I'm biased that my husband is a wonderful person and he wouldn't be if I because I married him right (laughs) but I think that he has done a lot for the generation of campers that have kind of like spread out from the camp core universe if that makes any sense four of the most creative people I know are Bo Shoemaker, Pat Foster, Aaron Weaver, and Dave Goodew they are the ones that I think perfected the idea of these epic evening programs. And at Camp Corey, we call, we called them EPs. I try to glean a lot of my creativity from from like those four guys. Dave wrote a book. I don't know if it's actually published or if it's like on the way to be published, but he calls it the $2,000 summer. And it's like how to make these epic group games, the theories behind them and the reason why they're so, so good for camp and the, just the community building of it all so oh those my are God. kind of like the the four guys
2: you said it was called the two thousand dollar summer who you yeah. say wrote that book
1: uh, my friend my friend dave gadu he actually officiated our wedding because you know camp's incestuous and we're all just a pile <laughs> of people that <laughs>
2: oh my gosh that's yeah. awesome
1: yeah, well, I'll do, I don't know how to get it, but if I find out, I'll let you know so you can put it in the show notes.
2: <laughs> I would absolutely love to. I'm sure a lot of our listeners would be very interested in purchasing that book. <laughs> <So>.
1: Yeah, Bo's <laughs> um, written a book about camp emergencies, too. He's a lawyer by trade and a camp person by heart. And um, so if you want to read a funny book about like how other camps handle emergencies from a lawyer's point of view, it's called Attentional Staff. And that is definitely publishable or published. You can buy that on Amazon.
2: Oh my goodness. I will definitely be looking at that as well yeah. too. Thank you. He, I will and I he, will conclude those in the show notes. Thank you so much for sharing that.
1: He's a funny guy. He was our camp historian up until recently. And so he was kind of the holder of all knowledge. So he's wrote a couple of books, but the I think the attentional staff would be the one that's broadly universal for people. Oh my
2: gosh. I'm so excited. Ah. Uh. I'm always looking for new stuff to read. This will be so good. <laughs> I read it
1: on my honeymoon.
2: Oh. <laughs> it happened. No, you are in a camp
1: relationship. I right know. Here. It happened to have come out while we were in Mexico on our honeymoon. And so I downloaded it on the, on the Kindle. And uh, every like March 18th or something, it ha- it shows up on my, my time hop showing like me on a beach with the Kindle with attentional staff on
2: it. <laughs> Oh, that makes my heart so happy. (laughs) I love that so much. Well, this is kind of another big, heavy-hitting question here, but I would love to know what is the most important lesson that you've learned from camp?
1: I think that camp bleeds into so many other realms of the world that as a hiring manager, I would see camp on a resume and I would stop looking at it and immediately bring them in for an interview, regardless of any of their other experiences. (laughs) If you do camp right, you become a person who solves problems, you become a person who takes initiative, you become a community builder, you become an expert in, I didn't know that I could do this, but I can now cook um, stir fry for 200 people. I, I think that camp is one of those places where it's like, hey, we need you to do blank. And you're like, oh my God, cool. I'll figure it out. Sometimes I call it my my like white girl confidence where it's just like, you know, <laughs> I got all this confidence because people have built me up, right? But it's not really people, it's camp. Camp has built me up. Camp has built me up to be somebody who's like, okay, we, we needed a life jacket rack at Camp Corey. And so I spent three days building a life jacket rack and I've never done anything like that in my entire life and so I learned how to shingle it because it has a little roof on it and yo it's still there it's still there to this day and I built it in like uh, like 2008 and it's standing and people still are putting their life jackets on it and so I don't want to call it unearned confidence but like the confidence to say yeah I can figure this out is what camps taught me it's bizarre it was like oh can you do this sure We'll figure it out. It's like that today. I I built a mantle in my living room because I wanted to. And I figured it out. And my husband's like, where did you learn that? And I was like, I just, you know, put it together. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I figured it out. This is something that I'm really passionate about too. I think we need to teach our, our camp staff how to write their resume so that it doesn't look like they just played in the woods all summer, right? They were executives of their cabins. They were people who can handle time management, right? Like you have to have handle time management. You have to be able to prioritize and multitask. Like all these things that that businesses are looking for, camp is teaching you how to do. We just need to do better in telling and helping kids write it
2: the right way. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Do you have any tips for us on like how camp people can write these experiences on their resumes that might even work in like the corporate world or any other places
1: (laughs) the the ACA actually has a couple of really good articles on on this job readiness thing because I think that we are running into a a point where we are running out of junior and senior college kids to kids people to come and work at our summer camps because everybody needs an internship yeah. And I'm not trying to badmouth internships, but like there's ways for, for camp communities to make sure that we're retaining these staff members by offering them internships. So you have a journalism student. Great. Let's put them on the blog or parent newsletters or the, the, the newspaper or a photography program and, and give them a really fancy title, right? That's not going to cost you anything in order to keep them and sh- shoot call it an internship like why do what what do i care that i'm calling it an in- internship i'm keeping somebody who's good who wants to be there but needs this like for whatever reason we've decided as a fundamental experience where they're going to get a lot more at summer camp than they might get you know writing copy for a, like a small tiny advertising things or getting coffee for people at the advertising place yeah. i think the biggest thing that they are missing out on is potentially like networking but that's why you need to build up your alumni associations so that you have those networking opportunities for them outside of the like three months that they're working at summer camp.
2: Wow. That is brilliant. I went into education. So anytime anybody saw that I worked with kids on a resume, yeah. that was good enough, you know, for the, yeah, world, yeah, yeah. the world that I was going into, but I've never looked at it as the, in the perspective of somebody trying to experience something else. So I'm really glad yeah. you
1: brought that up. I mean- you need a nurse, right? Do you have somebody who's going to school for nursing that maybe you can make an assistant nurse because they're not technically <laughs> ready to be a full-fledged nurse? Yeah, great. That Love I, it. I, Let's bring them on. Do you have somebody in culinary school? Can we can we call them like a sous chef and call it a day? <laughs> <laughs> instead instead of a kitchen aid, which is like already branded to be an appliance.
2: <laughs> I never you, thought you of you that, that before, saying? but so many camps use it. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And so what can you do to to retain these people that are wonderful, beautiful die hard camp fans that are that we're going to lose to the like internship. Number one, start using buzzwords like great, I'm multitasking, right? I'm prioritizing, mm-hmm. I can expedite emergency. You can get all these fancy fancy words, right? From um from Google that what are the buzzwords that people want to hear for your p- specific desired role? Those are the words that you're going to put in. So every time that you you apply for a job, you should be looking at the job description and say, great, they want somebody who has budgeted something. Okay, well, at camp, I was able to take 30 kids on an overnight trip where I had to plan a meal, which is budgeting, the logistics of getting 30 kids onto seven boats and sailing down the lake to then like beach at some random dude's house to walk across to go to the bluff like that that takes a lot of coordination so let's talk about the fact that you're an event planner you just have to find out what you're looking for and what they're looking for and translate the skills that you've learned at camp into those things if that makes any sense
2: absolutely absolutely and there's no reason why you can't and just takes a little bit of research and you should be able to really I mean, read the job description anyways, right? <laughs> exactly. When I think about my camp experience, never did I think that I would blank.
1: Um, so this one was actually the one that I was like, hopefully she doesn't ask me this question. Oh, well, I'll ask a different <laughs> uh, one then if you like. Um, no, <laughs> only because it, I, I've done everything. I, I've driven a bus. I became commercially licensed to, to drive a boat. I, I always joke that I'm going to write a book that says, you didn't train me for this. That's <laughs> the story of a camp counselor, because you can't train everybody for all the crazy things that are going to happen. Well, so never did I ever think I would move cross country. Right. And I, and I met this, these people that just became fundamental to who I am. And I needed to spend my life with at least one of them. <laughs> never did I think when I was. Eighteen, flying to New York for the first time. That I would be like, okay, I'm gonna move out of Southern California and go live in Rochester, New York, where it snows in October. Oof. Yeah, and now I'm in New Jersey, and everybody makes fun of me for being in New Jersey. No offense to your New Jersey crowd that's listening. Um,
2: <laughs> well, I've gotten a little bit now here because of Amanda. So they're yeah. they're definitely out there for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I never thought that I would move. I guess when you're like picking a camp when you're 18 to be a staff member in you I never thought it would become a really big big part of my life
2: oh I'm so glad you answered that though that was awesome thank you as I am a musician I would love to know what your favorite camp song is
1: do you know let me see your funky
2: chicken oh yes that's such a good one
1: that's a good one I love that one and I love linger I think that one's really pretty. And uh, when my son was born, we were trying to decide what his like nightly lullaby was going to be, and that was definitely like in the running. It didn't end up being that, but <laughs> it ended up being a different song. So linger is one, and um, there's this song that some Australians brought to Camp Corey called Head and Shoulders, which isn't like the normal lots of body movements, and it gets it gets real crazy at the end. It's fun.
2: Okay, that's awesome. I'll have to
1: look that one up.
2: What is your favorite camp tradition?
1: Like I said, Camp Corey has this sailing village that's named after a gentleman named Mike Migran. And so they call it Migran Village. And on the last night of camp at the closing campfire, the village head stands up and talks about like the momentous occasion of this, how much this week is hopefully gonna, you know, sit with these kids. And these are all teenagers. They're um, 12 to 15. In this particular village, how many kids have spent their last night at Camp Corey around this campfire looking at this lake and really kind of impressing upon them that they're like part, part of something bigger. The village head will pick up a pebble and uh, instruct everybody to do it. And then all the kids are supposed to push it in their hands and just press their favorite moment into that pebble. And then they walk out to the Y dock where all the the sailboats are like. In the lake, on the moors, and the sun is setting, and like you hear the the wind and the and the waves and all of that, and we all stand there and kind of simultaneously, you know, push all of our memories into these rocks, and then you hear people dropping them into the lake, and so you hear all this like plink 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 and it's just beautiful, right? And then, um, and then we sing tabs, um, out on the lake, and it's the only time where we don't, you do the circle. It's because it, it's a Y doc, so mm-hmm. yeah, you, know, you can't circle on a Y doc. Yeah, so they sing, we sing taps, and then they go to they go to bed.
2: <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I haven't heard of that before, so I'm really glad that you shared that with
1: us. Yeah, so in theory, you know, there's eighty, there's like twenty to fifty kids in this village every week, um, plus staff members, and they've been doing this for God knows how long. Like all those rocks are just sitting there at the edge of the y Dock and it just becomes part of the nature. You're leaving that memory behind. And it's, I don't know, it's really pretty. Thank you for sharing that.
2: I'm wanting to continue to diversify this podcast and pull in as many camp people and camp kids as I possibly can. So who should I interview next for the podcast?
1: So I think you should interview Aaron Peretti. He is the co chair of the Camp Corey Alumni Committee. And he is also the co or the author of today's Innovator. He worked in the insurance industry. So he, he went to Camp Corey as a I don't know if he went there as a kid or just a staff member. And our time actually didn't overlap. I know him through all of this stuff. And and he is now on like the camp, how to make sure that your camp is like staying at the forefront of the camping industry. And so I think he'd be really cool to interview.
2: Awesome. Okay. You should not ask
1: him about camp names because that's not a thing oh. <laughs> for, for
2: him. <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. He doesn't have a camp name.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay
1: him and Dave could kind of tag team these things and Mark and Dave and Aaron go and uh, do consulting for camps, individual one-on-one consulting for camps and tell people how to make sure that their character universes, whatever that means to that camp is, is like well thought out so that the kids have something to achieve. Um, And, and so whether it's a bead system or a badge system or whatever, it's, it's like helping, helping them create whatever that culture is. And they, they do all of that.
2: Awesome. I will definitely be in contact. If people have questions for you or want to contact you, what's the best way they can get a hold of you?
1: Probably email. It's Clemson at gmail.com. I am a lover of all things camp. So I'd be more than happy to to chat with people. I mean, I have an Instagram, but it's personal and and it's not it, not not that I'm not gonna share it, but it's personal in the sense that like if you like children and you'd like to see my children specifically, then you can follow <laughs> me on Instagram. <laughs> but it it's not like a professional Instagram whatsoever. The Beth Clemson, <laughs> if anybody's interested, but yeah, it's just my family that I post in order to keep
2: in contact with my family and my camp people. That was all the questions that I have for you. Did you have any other final questions, comments, or thoughts that you wanted to share while you're on the Camp Kids podcast? Camp can be overwhelming a lot of the time, especially when you're like in the
1: thick of the summer. And just remember to step back and and remember it because you don't know when the last time you're going to be at camp is. And I don't know. It hits. It's going to hit different this summer. This is going to be my first summer without camp in a long time. And and I know that my kids are going to be at camp, but it's not like my camp experience. So I got a sticker uh, from my husband's day camp director actually has an Etsy shop and um, very cute camp related stickers. She has one that says you can take the, the kid out of camp, but you can't take the camp out of the kid. And so I... it's on my water bottle right (laughs) but you never know when the last time that you're gonna be at camp is so just savor it even even those tough moments when you're cleaning up poop and puke and you're calling parents because because you're calling parents and having tough conversations like remember those
2: special moments Um, oh my goodness yeah well Will you send me that Etsy shop too? <laughs> I would love to. I other. would love to. She has a really cute one that says
1: "Don't forget the rig of bamboo heart princess cat." <gasps> oh my gosh! I'm about to drop so much money. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I forget. I I I forget which other ones I bought, and I uh, my water bottle's downstairs, so I can't I can't go and look. But I I also dropped way too much money. I think she also had one of the Bernie Sanders with the with the mittens. I think she made one of those too. Oh but my that's not a camp one. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious! Yeah, uh, I'll find I'll find that Etsy um, link and send it over to you. Thank you so much. I have a lot of things to send over.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I- Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for doing this.
0: All right, Camp Kids, that was Beth. Make sure to contact them if you have any questions and to check out all the links in the show notes. If you are enjoying the podcast, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Let's keep our Camp Kids community growing by spreading it to others who are part of the camp community. Please leave a rating or review, preferably a five-star rating, so that others can also find our podcast. Next time that you hear the podcast, we have another interview with someone who is a Camp Sacagawea alum. That's all that I have for you for now, but remember that this is good night and not goodbye.